Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's show, we are going to be interviewing author and speaker George Carneal about his amazing testimony about how he came from queer to Christ. So I want to welcome you, George Carneal, to the Good Fight Radio Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, you know what? I, I just finished your book literally this morning, and I was really, really excited about so much of what you had said in there. But I would love for the audience to hear, because I think the media has done such a good job of of painting this picture of every church is simply, you know, the Westboro Baptist. Every conservative believing church is the Westboro Baptist or Stephen Anderson or something. We, you know, we want them all to burn in hell and so forth instead of sharing the gospel with them and loving them. And with your testimony, reading how you came to Christ and everything, I would love for other people right here on the Good Fight Radio Show to hear your testimony. I think that's the best way to start. (laughs) Okay, well, my father's a Southern Baptist minister, and I grew up in the 70s, and this was a time when people weren't talking about the issue. So for me, uh, being bullied by my male peers, there was really a disconnect in being called sissy, faggot, queer, and homo. Um, I didn't know what those words meant, but I knew by the tone that obviously it wasn't a good thing. But then when I eventually started to figure out what those words meant, I was really confused as to how they could figure out something about me that I had yet to come to terms with myself. So it really caused me to be in my head a lot and to just struggle with this issue. And then, of course, in church, you would inevitably always hear Sodom and Gomorrah be mentioned. And I really took that to mean that God hates homosexuals so much that he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And it really caused me to really resent not only my father or any pastor who talked about that issue, but I just told God I hated him. And I I really developed a hardened heart, especially when I was around mean-spirited Christians who would make such derogatory remarks about homosexuals and the perverts and the sodomites. And so I knew I, I had no safe place to just go and work this out with someone or to talk to someone because I really feared how my parents would react, especially my father. And so it just meant it meant really a lonely life for me all through school as I struggled with this issue. And I really struggled with depression and I was really angry and I hated Christians. Uh, so when I, um, my father moved to pastor a church in Florida, I had found a gay bar there. And it was when I first walked into that gay bar at 18, it was the first time my male that I was around men who weren't mistreating me. And that's really what made that life so addicting because it was the first time that I was getting some kind of male attention and bonding that was positive, although I now realize it wasn't the right kind of attention I needed. But at least at that time, it was filling a void that was missing in my own life that I didn't realize at the time that Jesus could fill, because I really believed that God hated homosexuals because of the mean-spirited Christians who painted God in such a negative light. And so within three years of being in that life, yes, when you first go into it, it's very exciting because it's the first time you feel like you belong. 
you have a sense of community and friendships and there are other freaks and geeks and losers and outcasts who are just like you and you feel like I finally have this family. And so, yes, I must be gay and this is who I am and this is the way God created me to be. Uh, but sadly, when you go into that world, you are inundated with pornography, drugs and alcohol. And of course, promiscuity comes with the package, not with everyone. There's always an exception. But for the most part, it is the norm that all of this comes into play with anyone who goes into that life. And so within three years of first experiencing the joy, I was now depressed and suicidal and battling drugs, alcohol, a sex addiction. I had become a prostitute and I eventually attempted suicide and it would still be 22 more years before God would get me out of that life. The dilemma for me was, was I, even in the times of darkness, when I so badly wanted a relationship with God, even though I thought he hates me, I decided to try to find uh, my develop or work through my spirituality through Hinduism or the occult and New Age teachings. But thankfully, God was patient and exposed the holes in those world religions, and I still couldn't get any peace. And it really took God working in my life after being in that homosexual lifestyle for 25 years of not having any peace that he really started to work on me and to slowly immerse me back into the church. Now, for me, I hated Christians and I did not want to go into a church because to me that was the lion's den. That's where I'm going to be mistreated and abused again. But God thankfully put Christians who had the true heart of Christ in my path, who allowed me to sit with them and just to slowly get my feet wet. And I would just go in and listen to the word and I would leave. And I really kept Christians at arm's length. But the Holy Spirit was really starting to work on me. Sadly, but in a good way, God put me in a liberal church in Los Angeles where, unbeknownst to me, the pastor of this Baptist church was going to put together a class for LGBT individuals. And I was very excited about that and that I could meet others who were struggling with this issue. I was so angry at all of the years I was hurting and dealing with this that the pastors would have a church for divorced individuals who could pull their lives back together and they would be told how much God loves you. And many of them would go on to rebuild their lives with other people. I couldn't understand why are the no, there are no classes for LGBT individuals to work this out and to have a safe place to try to, to figure this out and to study what God's word really says without somebody having an agenda as much as just showing the truth of God's word in love, what God has to say about homosexuality. So, it was through that whole process that uh, sitting in the liberal church, as they were pushing the gay is okay, we're under grace narrative, I still couldn't get any peace. And I was really starting to get very depressed and even more suicidal because I, no matter if I went to God's word, I could hear both sides of the equation, both sides of the argument. And I didn't know what to believe anymore. And I had not fully yet been able to study God's word because to me, that was one more place where I was going to hear condemnation and judgment and rejection from God. And I had had enough from that from my peers, from my friends, from society, uh, from Christians. I just could not take any more of that. I was really hurting and, and very wounded and raw in my emotions and what I was dealing with. But as God continued to be patient with me and to expose the agenda, I did go before him and I just honestly said, God, I can't take it anymore. But if being a homosexual is okay in your eyes, in a committed monogamous relationship, if you will help me to come to terms with this and to make peace with it, I will trust you'll put a good Christian man in my life. 
because I wanted something solid and stable because in the homosexual lifestyle, it's very unstable. It's very promiscuous. The long-term relationships usually have open relationships. So there's really no uh, sense of security. Um, but I also told God that if it is wrong under all circumstances, if you will help me to know it, I will leave this life and I will follow you. And he gave me the answer and I turned my back on that life over 13 years ago. And I have been living a path of celibacy or living a celibate life and following Christ because I want Christians to understand that you don't just identify as a homosexual for 25 years and walk out of that life and start dating. For many of us who come out of the occult and new age and Satanism and, and drugs, alcohol, homosexuality, other forms of addiction, we are very badly wounded. There's a lot of trauma, shame, rejection, and a lot of other root core issues that need to be addressed. And it takes time for God to really work in an individual's life, at least in mine, to help bring about a lot of the healing that was needed, even how I thought about him and how to have a relationship with him before I could even think about dating. And if one day God changes my feelings and I desire to, to date a woman, that's fine. But if not, for now, I really enjoy just learning how to lean on God and to how, how to have a relationship with him and to see him in the light that I should have seen him all along, but was unfortunately painted such a negative picture that he was going to just pounce on you and get you when you mess up. I never thought of God as someone who was loving, patient, merciful, and kind. And uh, God has really been good to me through the process. And I praise him for everything that I've been through, because had I not been through it, I really would not understand really God's grace and the magnitude of how much he is in it for the long haul and that he is there for all of us to help us. And so I've been out of that life now and just trying to uh, sound the alarm to really to help Christians to understand the reality of what that world is like. You are being lied to by the media and by Hollywood. What they're projecting and giving you is a complete fabrication of the reality and the truth of that life. When you see so many people dying of drugs, overdoses, suicide, uh, alcohol abuse, um, being murdered just from meeting strangers online, uh, suicide, those who go into the porn industry, those who lose everything due to the drugs. I mean, I have seen the casualties of that life. This is not a life you want to push someone into because they will never find peace and happiness in that life. God will never allow anyone to be at peace in something that he deems wicked and an abomination. So I'm really pleading with Christians to stop falling for the lies to speak the truth of God's word in love. And the best way to witness to an LGBT individual is to, yes, show them in God's word where God condemns the behavior, but he loves the individual. And that although he condemns homosexual behavior and, that, and the sex act, there are also guidelines that he has for heterosexuals. So he's not unjustly picking on the LGBT mm -hmm. individual. He has a set of guidelines of how he sees marriage and intimacy and sex and relationships. And so for heterosexuals and homosexuals, they need to see that God is really showing what will work best for an individual because if you do what God's word says, there will be peace in your life. And when you do the things that he says don't do, he knows it's going to bring harm and pain and bondage in that individual's life. But then turn around and show them how much God loves them, how much how he knew them when he formed them in the womb. Mm -hmm. He knows the number of hairs on their head, what Jesus did on the cross for them. 
things that show that God is a personable, knowable God who is invested in them. And we know that by what Jesus did on the cross. They need to know that there is hope in coming out of that life. And when they come into the church, give them a safe place to sit under the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, hopefully by a pastor who has the guts to speak the truth of God's word. Because the important thing first is that they come to know Christ because that will unlock the power of the Holy Spirit to start working in their life. And the Holy Spirit will do the work, plant the seed, God will water it, and give hope to these individuals and pray with them, love on them, pour love into them, and uh, walk with them on this journey. Many of them are hurting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love what you said there. Many of them are hurting and being able to show them. And and one of the things you mentioned also is, is there's guidelines for heterosexuals as well. You know, anything outside of what God has prescribed for us is sin. Anything outside of it, whether that's homosexual, whether it's heterosexual, if it's outside of the parameters that God has described, it's sin. And we need to be able to call that out just as much as anything else in love. And you know what? You coming from a background where your dad was a pastor. And, you know, I can't imagine, obviously, we're also dealing with a different time. We're talking about the 70s. Obviously, how homosexual was looked at, homosexuality was looked at back then is far different than now. But also having your dad as a pastor, I'd love for you to go in to your relationship with him growing up. Also, what his reaction was when you came out to him and also what that relationship is like now. Growing up, it was really strange, but my father was dealing with the demands of the ministry, which didn't pay a lot. So he often had to take a lot of part-time work to just keep the family fed. So that caused for a lot of absence. I think the difference between me and my brothers is that my brothers, who were all boys, they loved hunting, fishing, and all of that stuff, um, they were welcomed by their male peers. But for me, I think the additional rejection of my male peers in school, there was really a disconnect with acceptance from men or guys or males in my life, whereas I was smothered in female love. So I had a lot of female love. But I was really lacking in the male love, which is why the homosexual lifestyle really became addicting. Um, when I did eventually come out to my father, I had to because there was a Christian threatening to out me or expose me, and I needed to, to do damage control. Um, my father didn't say much. I knew he didn't approve of it, but it was almost like he wanted to sweep it under the rug and not deal with it. We had talked about it over the years, and we would have some knockdown, drag out arguments, and I would have screaming matches with him, as I also talk about in my book. I really was hurting, and I hope Christians will understand, understand, especially parents who have LGBT kids. For me, I didn't understand that my father was looking at this from a spiritual perspective, the, soul, the fate of my soul and where I spend eternity. When my father would discuss this issue with me and how it's wrong and it's an abomination and you need to come out of that life, all I could hear was, was you're hurting me. This is, this is like stabbing me in the heart. You're telling me that there's something wrong with me. This is my identity. This is who I am. God created me to be this way. This is what I believed. And you want me to leave that life and have to live a single celibate life and be alone. I'll never have anyone to love me, someone to love. The insecurity of growing old alone when my family dies. This was very a lot of information to take in that would just spiral me into to so much depression. And that's why I would just lash out at him because it, it was just very painful to hear. It didn't give me any hope. And I couldn't see at the time that when you choose 
to follow Christ, that what you lose, God will fill that void and that hole in other way. And God has filled the void and the emptiness that I used to have with many other things. And I have so many wonderful people in my life and God has given me a purpose. And he really has uh, really been a friend to me through this process. My relationship with my father today, and I want Christians to understand this is the power of prayer. I had cut my father off for four years. I really wasn't even talking to my family. And this is common in the LGBT community. But one night I was getting ready to attempt suicide again, and my father called me out of the blue. And I'd like to think that the Holy Spirit was really prompting him. But I was so depressed, and I I was really tired of life and tired of this and tired of that life that I just welcomed hearing his voice. And that really was the beginning of us having a a dialogue again and me visiting him. And it really started to repair the relationship. And God has really – restored what the enemy tried to steal from us because my father and I are very close today. Well, I think that is beyond beautiful to see, you know, we have a God of reconciliation, you know, and now you are out there, you know, hoping that other families also, you know, you're being a reconciler, which is your call as soon as you're made new in Christ to, to reconcile people to God. And then one of the great things is that those who love God are reconciled one to another. And to see that is, I mean, Absolutely beautiful. And so I'd love for you to go a little bit more just into your testimony a a little bit about what it was specifically. Was it a message? Was it an overall just coming to a place over a course of time where you're like, I really need to to give my life over to Christ right now in in terms of I I have to let this stuff go? And or was it a process where it was like little things and you were like, you know what, I finally need to let go of this as well? In the LGBT community, I'm going to speak for the gay community, so because I can't speak for lesbians, obviously, but in the gay community, it's a very youth-oriented community, and it's a meat market. And as long as you are young and you look good, there's a place for you at the table. Once your looks start to fade and you get old, your body falls apart, you're really discarded, like a dirty dish rag. You really find yourself alone. And I would just look at the older gay men sitting in bars and getting drunk and they had no one. I mean, if their families had either disowned them or if they had passed away and here you have gay men who have no children, they, maybe their siblings have passed away or they live far away. I started to see the loneliness and the isolation in that life. At some point I had to say to myself, okay, so we're doing all of this sex and the drugs and the alcohol, the dancing, the parties and all of this fun stuff. But when I go home at night, I still have to face my demons. I'm still alone, and it's not filling that void. So sitting in a bar in Hollywood and watching this one particular old man always sit at the same place and just would drink himself to the point of getting drunk, it was as if God started to work on me and show me, this is your life if you want it. And there was something, a reality started to set in, and it had nothing to do with Christians. Um, In fact, at that point, I wasn't even sure where God was going to play into the equation, and I wasn't even sure that was the path I was going to go down. I knew I was so tired of that life, and I was so miserable, and it brought me no peace and no joy that I was suicidal all the time. I'm not being dramatic. I thought about suicide as much as I thought about eating. So I decided, well, it's either commit suicide or give Jesus a chance. And I actually walked out of that life about a year to a year and a half before I even started to slowly immerse myself back into the church. Because I needed a break from that. I needed to get my head on straight and to kind of figure out what am I trying to do here? What is this life 
supposed to bring you? Nothing. Just sex and drugs and fun and partying all the time. It was a very empty, shallow life. And I knew I'm not going to be one of these old men sitting in a bar getting drunk and having no one in my life. I didn't know what my future held. That was not it. And I was determined I was going to change it. So it was a culmination of many I would say revelations that perhaps God was slapping me with that made me just stop and get honest about my life. And I thought, I've got to change this. And I decided to pursue that path with God. And as I talk about in the book, there was a a church that had advertised for a Bible study on a Monday night where they taught in the book of Genesis. And this really was a way for me to go and to be around Christians. But I was friendly, but I would go sit off to the side by myself. I was so hungry for God's word. I just wanted to hear I just wanted to I wanted to be fed. I wanted to know that there was hope for me and just studying the book of Genesis for two to three years because I took the beginner course. Then I took the advanced course and then I went back and took the beginner course again to perhaps catch what I missed the first time. But that really started to drive the hunger. And so when I sat down and started reading God's word and God helped get the chip off my shoulder Mm -hmm. and I started to see that God, he's he really does love us and he loves the LGBT individuals as well. And he wants to show you a, a different way and a different path that he has that's going to make your life so much better and enrich it, but also have a relationship with him. And it really just took me deciding I'm getting my foot, my feet out of that LGBT life, and I'm going to surrender my life to Christ fully. And I turn back my life on him, and I want LGBT individuals to understand this. You can sit out here and claim you're depressed and you're miserable, and you can blame it on Christians until the cows come home. You're not miserable because of the Christians. You're miserable because you are doing something that God deems wicked, and he's never going to give you peace in that life. That's the same for the heterosexual who drinks and does drugs, has affairs, or they're sleeping together and they're unmarried. There are so many things that God deems wicked, and if people do that, it puts a barrier between you and God, and it will keep it will keep. It just will not, he will not allow you to have any peace until you get that reconciled and ask for forgiveness and repent and turn from it. And when I turned, when I truly gave my life to Christ and I went to God and I repented of everything I could think of, I was so genuine in this, in this um, decision. I fasted for a day. I prayed. I wrote out a letter to God and I just told him everything that I ever felt. And I really just poured out my heart and expressed my my anguish and my agony and how much I regretted hurting him and for believing such horrible things about him. But I will tell you, when I gave my life to Christ, not only did I have peace with myself, I really knew God had forgiven me of my past, but that insane, that torment in my mind left me. And I really had my peace of mind for the first time in decades. I didn't know what it was like to have my peace of mind, but also God let me know in that moment that you and I are good, that we got it settled. And there was a peace and a joy that the Lord gave me that I can't describe. You can chase happiness until the cows come home. You'll never find it. Happiness is fleeting. But when the world is handing you things that are so difficult, I'm not rattled by it because when you truly get things right with God and you understand the bigger picture, the eternal picture, uh, knowing that this is going to end and where you're going to spend eternity and you're not going going to have to deal with this anymore, There is a true peace and a joy that God is going to give you, and I have that. That's why I have, for 13 years, been out of that life. I have no desire to go back into it. I have no desire for the worldly stuff. God has really been good to me. Amen to that. And 
One of the things I love when, when hearing that, it was it was the Word of God, really. You know, you say Genesis specifically, and you see that, and you see that over and over again when it comes to the Word of God, you know, there's a cleansing aspect of it. it you know, husbands are told to wash their wife in the Word of God, and also when we look at the Word of God, it says, you know, the psalmist said in Psalm 119 that he had hid God's Word in his heart, that he may not sin against him. And Psalm 1 says specifically when it comes to meditating on the Word day and night, you're like a tree planted against the water that bears fruit in its season. And those who aren't are the ones that blow away when the wind comes by. And to see that, that was ultimately what deeply rooted you and made you say, you know, what? I need to repent. I need to turn. I think that is beautiful. And there's so much that you said there. And I, and I think it can kind of piggyback with the next thing I wanted to bring up, because specifically when I think about you coming through the word of God and repenting and you talking about how there's there's this lie being told also, I think, in so many liberal churches that is saying, you know what, once we accept them, and in fact, when we look at all these deconstructions of people that claim to be Christians and then leave the faith, so to speak, they say over and over again, they'll bring up the LGBTQ community and, you know, the Bible doesn't accept homosexuality, that's why I stopped believing or, you know, and so forth. But when it comes to that, a lot of times they lean towards maybe a a gay-affirming church, one with a rainbow flag outside of it and so forth. And I'd love for you to talk about, is that truly love to be able to, you know, throw a rainbow flag in front of your church and say, we accept homosexuality and the practice of it in our church? It's not loving at all because the woke Christians— in my opinion, are doing this not because they care about LGBT individuals. I think it's for your own ego and how you appear to other people. But until you listen to the ex-gay, ex-lesbian, and ex-transgender testimonies, the heartbreaking stories of what all of us have been through and what God has done to have to deliver us from that life, understand that God is not the God of confusion. He is not wouldn't be okay with homosexuality but delivering people out of that life. The loving God I know wouldn't create someone to be a homosexual, but yet condemn it in his word. I don't know what God people are serving. That's not the God I serve. God is clear about the act. And I get really put out with these Christians and especially the LGBT activists. They'll throw in this, well, homosexuality wasn't a word that was introduced into the Bible until 1946 or whatever year they choose. I don't care what year it was introduced or what word was used or how it was translated in the Hebrew or the Greek or Aramaic. I don't care. People centuries ago did not have access to books, to commentaries and to the internet. God's word had to be sufficient. And if you look at every time, same sex behavior, the act is mentioned in God's word. It's always negative. Don, David and Jonathan were not gay. God is not a wimp. He's not afraid of the social justice warriors and the BLM and Antifa and the LGBT activists and the woke culture mob. If David and Jonathan had truly been homosexual lovers, that would have been the perfect opportunity for him to describe it as that and to show what a homosexual Christian cannot committed monogamous relationship looked like they will say jesus is gay because he but he didn't come out because he was afraid of homophobia jesus was afraid of no one if he's confronting religious leaders who are trying to kill him (laughs) you think he's afraid of a little homophobia it's little things that the activists and the and the liberal theologians will do to twist take certain things from God's word and twist it to plant just a little seed of doubt. And this is why so many of my LGBT friends who are in that life, who believe those talking points and who will not sit down and study the truth of God's word for themselves, 
it makes it harder for me because I am burdened for my LGBT friends and I don't want them to die and go to hell. So for the woke Christians, you're you're supporting something that is not only going to push them into further bondage and and pain because they're never going to find peace in that life, but you're pushing them into further rebellion against God. It is time for the church to stop worrying about our reputation and our character and what people think and to stop being on and to start being honest and to start helping these individuals by telling them the truth of God's word in love and letting them know there is hope in getting out of that life. If God is pulling people out of Satanism and the occult and the porn industry, people are being saved on death row, people coming out of prison who have given their lives to Christ. They're ministering. They're sharing the gospel. God is doing it for the LGBT community as well. We must have compassion, yes, especially for the transgender individuals, they need counseling. Instead of them trying to change their bodies to match their mind, we need to counsel them so they can know that with the help of the Holy Spirit, God can work to change their mind to match their bodies before they do something as devastating as going through these surgeries, which have proven they cannot change their gender, you can't change your chromosomes, you can't change your DNA, and there are enough people who aren't even religious, transgenders on even YouTube, if you type in transition regret and you listen to their stories, they will tell you the horror stories of what these surgeries and what the shots have done to their bodies and how it didn't change anything. In fact, it compounded their problems and they're even more depressed and suicidal than their gay and lesbian counterparts. It is the most unloving thing you can do to affirm this life. We want to love the LGBT individual, but stand up and fight against the agenda. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.